0: i yeah. Today is Sunday, July 23rd, 2017, and this is episode 197 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett.
1: Hello, Jerry. Howdy, Morning, howdy. Sir. I'm you're, super. You're all over the globe. Where are you I, at the moment? I am in Dublin.
0: Beautiful uh, Dublin. And it's actually sunny right now, which is amazing.
1: As in, as in the, the 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 continent in the UK, Dublin, Ireland.
0: Uh, yeah. Don't say UK because I've I've been corrected. Oh, I, I, you know? I stepped on that snake all, once already. Dublin or Ireland is not part of the UK.
1: Oh, fair enough. And and, and there's a lot of resentment. There, there there might have been a small little war over that with yeah, terrorists yeah. and such. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll do better. But you're in, you're in Ireland for the moment. Yes, indeed I you, am. And you, I just got you, back from Hungary. Right. You're crazy. Which explains why we had a little gap in recording, because you've been traveling the world. That's right. Absolutely. Because you're just a world-famous traveling rock star. That's what I like to think. <sighs> Going to all the best places. <laughs> so, in other news, since last we talked, I've upgraded my, my audio equipment, so hopefully... People can detect a little better audio sound from my side of the of the equation here.
0: and yeah, my, my sound my my sound took a, a dive and yours took a giant right, leap. So
1: right, because you're away from all of your good recording gear because you're in a random hotel in Dublin. That's right. So
0: anyhow, a uh, just a reminder that the thoughts and opinions we express on the show are ours and do not represent those of our employers. And before we get into shows, I, I wanted to mention that. Um, A couple of upcoming things. We will be at DerbyCon. Yes, indeed. And then we will be at the O'Reilly Security Conference. So I'm told. And then we will be at the uh, Tactical Edge Conference next year. In lovely,
1: scenic, historic Bogota, Colombia. That's right. Mm -hmm. So if, if uh, if we owe you money or, you know, some sort of paternity test issue came back, you can find us there.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Alrighty. So getting into some stories. First first story tonight comes from thehackernews.com, which com, which is different than hackernews.com, by the way. I, I I realized that too late, but uh anyway, the title here is Adwin Rat Returns Cross Platform Malware Targeting Aerospace Industries. The the thing I thought was interesting and novel about this is you know, one more data point that's, that highlights you know, kind of all platforms are now being targeted. And obviously, this is just one you know, particular piece of, of malware, but this one targets Windows, Linux, Mac, and Android all in one Wait. nice little bundle. I'm having trouble understanding. You said Mac? I, I, you know, this would be really devastatingly concerning to me if, in fact, mal, uh, Macs could get malware, but they can't. Right. So,
1: so clearly somebody's confused. It's, it's fake news. It's fake. It's fake. But, so Britain and Java, to allow that cross-platform attack vector... Yes. But I mean, just the fact you're running something at Java would slow the machine down so much. You might know at that point that you've been compromised. <laughs> quite <laughs> no. possibly. No, quite know. possibly.
0: Um, but you know, th- this piece of malware, it, it does some interesting and concerning things like, uh, will will allow captures of the camera screen grabs, uh, keyboard captures and exfiltration of files. So, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of the general purpose data stealing, uh, you know, Trojan, and the thing that, you know, uh, obviously it's the fact that it's cross platform is concerning to me. But you know, that uh, what we're seeing, I think, a lot more of is homogenization of of attack techniques across different actors, and so I'm I'm becoming more and more concerned about. Uh, you know th- things like this showing up in less targeted and more commodity style attacks.
1: Well, it, it makes sense. We we saw this with the rise of exploit kits and commodity attack tools. Uh, bad guys learn from each other just as much as the good guys learn from each other. Yes. And, yes. It, and it's continue. It will continue. Uh, right. You know, there's a whole market out there for people writing exploit kits and novel attack mechanisms that they sell to other people. And, you know, if I'm a bad guy, that's actually a better way to go because I'm not actually directly attacking folks. I'm just writing the tools and I'm not incurring as much risk, hopefully.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, uh, another thing that that I, <laughs> as I have been airplane bound uh, way too much lately, I, I, I was thinking about you know, a lot of companies are, are – Maybe not in maybe it's not the only reason, right, but they're they're using Macs or Linux for the, the the purpose of helping to avoid malware. and I, and, I, and I certainly think there's still some legs there, but one of the concerns I have is is that the the malware protection ecosystem or you know the 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 commercial economy around protecting Macs and Linux, is much less mature than it is on Windows. And so while Windows is is far more attacked, and I mean, no question about it, absolutely undeniable, right? There's also a whole lot of really well-functioning options for protecting Windows. And and, uh, just from personal experience, I'll I'll tell you, it's not not the case on Mac and, and Linux. And so, you know, while... Right now, that might not be a big problem. I, I think we—I I really think we're going to start seeing that
1: turn. No, I, I completely agree. That makes perfect sense. You know, we have a whole ecosystem built around protecting Windows and third-party software on Windows. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't really exist on on the Mac side. Yep. You know, all, all the all the AV vendors and whatnot are, are built to work in the Windows ecosystem, and it's going to take some time for that to mature up in the other other platforms. Right. Right. So, so how was this particular rat being spread? uh, So this one is being
0: spread. It's kind of funny because it's it's being spread through a phishing email coming from the um, trying to find the the Mediterranean Yacht Broker Association Charter
1: Committee. I get plenty of emails from (laughs) all the time. I I, you know, but I do have six Mediterranean yachts, so it makes sense that i
0: would yeah and and you know when you when you actually go into trend micros uh blog post about this they they go into some detail about the actual fish that was used and you know they don't they don't really explicitly call out who is targeted but they do talk about you know it's it's focused on uh aerospace industry in a couple of different countries including the US and you know they they point out that this this particular fish apparently was pretty effective because it you know one it looks it's it looks legitimate and i guess the people who were receiving it were expecting or were not surprised to have gotten something like this <laughs>
1: well know your targets right uh, yes
0: yes indeed
1: you know if you're going after ceos or or high level folks come from high level organizations yeah, yeah in terms of you know, wealth at least.
0: All right. So, uh, moving on to our next story, which comes from the register. The title is another day, another mass domain hijacking. And so the reason, by the way, they, they have the title that way is that uh, a couple of days before this particular incident happened, there was a big flap about the dot IO domain being partially hijacked and, uh, not re- but not really hijacked by a uh, you know by a a not malicious person who uh, figured out that some of the the domain uh, the, the domain names used for uh, for the .io domain had expired <laughs> and so he went and registered them yeah for the and,
1: main dns yeah servers for all of .io as i recall
0: yes yeah, right. So,
1: was, so if somebody's trying to go to whatever.io and they don't have that information cached, these are the servers they go to first. Yep. And yep. he was able to somewhat legitimately redirect them because something expired that shouldn't have. Because, as I understand it, the .io top-level domain was being transitioned to another provider. Correct. And sort yep. of something got lost in translation there.
0: Yep. So, uh, so, so he, you know, he he let them. He let the. Registrar know about it, and they pulled the domains away from him <laughs> unceremoniously. I think is is what he said. The way no he soup it. for you. <laughs> uh, so what what happened in this deal is that um, Gandhi, the uh, the the domain registrar, not the person, um,
1: which a is a, a a very oh really yeah I know maybe, maybe it sounded. Better in their traditional Irish, but um, <laughs> now Gandhi is is a very large uh, registrar, as I understand it. They they are, and I know yeah. that by the way, a lot of
0: uh, a lot of security folk really like them because they um, you know, they they seem to be kind of no nonsense and have some you know, some. Uh, I, I think they're more expensive, but they have uh, the the re- uh, registration. The private registration is kind of like a default thing for them, so
1: yeah, they they're a more sophisticated provider, it seems like, but probably a lot of folks in the U.S. have never heard of them, is why I pointed out. Right, but they
0: but they do uh, you know they are big, they are big uh, domain registrar registrar, cover lots and lots of top level domains. What happened here, and we don't fully understand exactly what happened, but well, uh, do you
1: ever fully understand anything, Jerry? do you? No, that's, you're right. I just, um, I mean, um, um, yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. I don't, right. don't want to, you know, bring this up in front of everybody, but.
0: Fair enough. So, um, the the credentials, some Gandhi credentials were stolen apparently via a, a third-party supplier to Gandhi. There's really no indication of you know, who the supplier was or what they did. Uh, but <clears throat> this enabled the attacker uh, to have control of the some of the domain name servers. And in the time period they had control of these top level domain or the, the domain servers for um, for Gandhi, <clears throat> they, um, they redirected 751 domains and, I, and I, I I think that it was would probably have been more had it not been discovered but anyway they, they redirected 751 domains to a site that was serving malware and that apparently was going on for about four hours before somebody realized it was happening and notified Gandhi and then it took Gandhi uh, an hour to you know to, to put the lid on it, and then another three and a half hours to back out all the changes. But one of the awesome parts of DNS is that it's cached, and so you know it lived on for uh, you know for for a while. And this one, by the way, got got my gears turning quite a lot because you know we got we have a lot of fairly draconian uh, data privacy laws coming online, you know, both in the U.S. and where I'm at here in the, in the EU. And, I, you know, I got to thinking, well, you know, what, what if your domain got hijacked, right? And you're, you're accepting, you know, PI, your personal information, regulated personal information or, or some kind of other data. And for some period of time, you know, that data is going to someone else's site and, and it, you know, that the your customers think it's going to you. And I got to wondering, you know, who is responsible for that? I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think, for instance, that you, most companies, maybe even any company, would think of their domain registrar as a, you know, as a service provider that would need some kind of a uh, an agreement. Like if you were to outsource services under a lot of these new, regulations you have to have a special kind of data processor type agreement that that defines certain contractual responsibilities and liabilities. And you know, that kind of concept just has never really applied to a domain registrar. So Yeah, this is a
1: it's an ugly one because when you think about it, if somebody redirects your domain to another DNS server, they can then control almost everything internet facing about your domain, including email. So if they, if they can redirect your domain, including email, they can set up another email server and start getting all of the email destined for your site. And most folks don't have any security set up around that. It's fairly rare. It's out there, but it's rare. Right. Uh, and, you know, they could also... There's some other stories going on right now that there are some folks issuing SSL certs, maybe a little too loosely. So setting up a fake lookalike domain that maybe you could possibly make the cert look good, too. You could really do some nasty work with uh, redirecting that traffic. It's, it's a fairly uh, impressive, or I should say impactful, attack if I can capture your, your DNS registrar and, and, and redirect things. I can do a lot with that.
0: Yeah and, and actually you you have a lot of opportunities to make it even uglier because it, once you do that you can do something like jack up the TTL you know the time to live on on the records so that right. so know, they cached. might not expire they might not expire for weeks
1: yeah and yeah, because uh, every, for cow. those not familiar with DNS every DNS record you can specify how long that record will cache in another DNS server so when somebody looks that up for the first time it will look and say, okay, I can hold this for an hour, I can hold this for a day, I can hold this for a month, I can hold this for 20 seconds. And it respects that for not looking it up again. So if you've cached it for a week and I went and fixed my actual DNS server, your DNS server is not going to come back and look unless you force it to for whatever that timeout is, which is pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, and so so if you're the victim of that, and even if you you do proactively recognize that this sort of th- thing has happened and you go and fix the, you know, fix the issue, which by the way, is often completely out of your control. Like this is in this case, as far as we know, none of the customers really had any, you know, it was through no fault of their own. Like there was nothing these, those people could have done or those, the domain owners could have done to avoid this other than not use Gandhi, um, and, well, and by the and, way, I'm and, not saying that Gandhi is bad, I'm just... No, but th-
1: this goes to a reality we're confronting, which is we're centralizing risk in a lot of cloud-based providers. Whether it be, in this case, it's always been this way with registrars, but yeah, let's say we're doing something in Amazon, let's say we're doing something at, at you know Microsoft's cloud or Google's cloud or whomever, or we're using Salesforce or using something else. We are now concentrating that risk. So we have to trust and hope that that vendor... Is doing their part of the security balance correctly, right? Right. But uh, by the way, I don't see another way around that. I, I think that's the way the world's going, and it's going to continue to go.
0: I, I you're. I think you're absolutely right, and we are going to have to get uh, get very creative about how we address the risk that comes along with that centralization. I mean, you know, when we when you think about the move to uh, just a few cloud providers, and then you, and then you think about the attacks that have been happening recently, and you know some of the hypothesized attacks against, uh, you know, uh, companies or sorry, countries or e- economies. You know now it becomes not a completely crazy thing to think that it, you know if you're, uh, you, you know, you you could take, you know, conceivably take down. Uh, somebody like Amazon and have a devast if you could right i 'm not saying that you could, but if you could, you could have a really devastating impact on an economy because so much of you know that so much of the online economy is now sitting on that platform
1: so anyway yeah there was there was another article we 're not covering it today of. Somebody was doing his research of a major cloud provider getting attacked would cost something like $54 billion in damages. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to find it. Don't quote me on that because I don't have it right in front of me. But it was, you know, then again, it could be clickbait. You, know, you never know the veracity of those articles until you <laughs> really look into them. Clickbait? Are you kidding? Uh, you know, you, that's you why didn't... we title all of our shows like, You Won't Believe Our Third Story. <laughs> Number six will shock you. Anyway,
0: um, yeah. speaking of shocking, by the way, the, the, there's two stories that kind of hang together next. And, and I thought these were, were interesting to cover because these, these show kind of the real, maybe, the real-world impact of some of these high-profile attacks. So FedEx and Nuance Communication have both publicly announced that they uh, their earnings are going to be negatively impacted by the not petya worm
1: uh, and yeah that's that's interesting I mean a lot of because we talk back and forth often about the long term real impacts financially of a lot of these breaches, and often right. we find sometimes not so much especially a couple years down the line, but in this case you know we see. SEC filings talking about financial impacts.
0: Yeah, now now I, I interestingly I didn't look at FedEx, but Nuance Communication actually, because the the new the article about Nuance comes from CNBC, and they they point out that you know like the day after this story came out, they were up one percent. <laughs> so you know it's I I I I think there's still some amount of disconnect because you know it's kind of like a one time thing it's not a it's not necessarily a a change to the business operation yet i do wonder though about from from uh when you kind of read between the lines on this nuance communication story it does sound like you know it it's conceivable they'll lose business and that's the kind of thing i think that would turn into like a, you know, a a real long-term shareholder value kind of impact. Whereas like if, you know, if, if, if a company has a data breach and, you know, the uh, same, same company or same customers are going to be shopping there tomorrow, you know, even if they get fined, it doesn't, doesn't structurally harm the business, um, you know uh so fedex the fedex uh, apparently it was i thought it was actually fedex that got hit but apparently it was um a recent acquisition of theirs tnt express that got hit and i guess they got hit pretty bad because they they uh didn't know where a lot of shipments were so
1: yeah it's it's interesting on this one, and I also wonder, too if if companies are struggling with what they need to put in SEC filings when it comes to these sorts of things, mm-hmm. so they could be being overly cautious by just including them in their 10Ks to, you know, cover their butt, as it were.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. That's true. I think we have, you know, we had. I don't know if we've talked about it recently, but I think there has been some kind of scolding or at least looking down the bridge of uh, uh, the SEC looking down the bridge of their nose at companies who hadn't filed um you know the the right disclosure in their um you know in their 10K or 10Q reports so maybe this is like like you said maybe that's what this is and by the way it's also not out of the realm of possibility that they just had a bad quarter
1: and they're blaming it on this. <laughs> well, I think there's, I think there's some checks and balances on that front. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen some things before. Well, you know, Bob's told me some stories that uh, yeah, would make a hair hairs curl. I think. Yeah. Uh, huh. So anyway, interesting too on this front. Yeah, you know, we did a whole show on not pet ya last last time. But they mention here again the fact that even those who paid the ransom couldn't get their, their files back. And uh, how quickly things spread over VPN connections to other other partners. You know, every time this happens, these companies come out and say, well, we're strengthening and hardening our systems, and <laughs> which I'm sure they are, but we are they- talk about... Are they doing it in meaningful ways, I guess? Right? Exactly, my point. Are, are they truly saying, well, okay, how do we segment properly or more effectively to minimize the spread of a, a worm? And how we. Do? Every big company I've been in, when you talk about doing a major revamp of their environment to include something like segmentation to fight this kind of thing, it's a non starter. Right. I, it seems next to impossible to get. The resources, the, the the buy-in, the the potential business disruption, the risks involved through the executives. <laughs> Why are we going to do that? I don't know. We got we got stuff to do that's you know a lot less risky and going to make us money. And and that's one thing I think is an interesting problem right now is is existing companies who have existing network environments that weren't designed with more segmentation and best practices to, to minimize a spread of this kind of thing uh, are going to be at a huge disadvantage compared to new competitors coming in the market who may potentially just embrace a cloud model to begin with or perhaps segment. I don't know. It. I guess what I'm saying is that the older and bigger a company is, the less likely they are to seem to, to ever embrace the concept of redesigning their network environment.
0: I, I th- think you're probably right. At the same time, I also had the thought, you know, I was I was thinking about we we talked about this last time uh, on the not pet ya episode, but there was a hospital who had decided to rather than you know rather than um, you know, try to clean up their systems, they would just like they would just start over. They bought all new network stuff, they bought all new computers and and whatnot, and and so I got to wondering, you know. Or metaphorically, it's almost like a forest fire. You know, so this kind of thing <laughs> in a big company could be the impetus for that kind of like, and, and
1: maybe it's the only one. Maybe, but here's how it's going to go Wow, we just got completely burned by, you know, not you What are we going to do about this? Well, I just got this email from this vendor with a blinky box that says, if you fix the problem. <laughs>
0: The webinar starts in a half hour. Right. <laughs> Let's join. <laughs> oh God.
1: I, I, I really, honestly think that as long as that sort of marketing exists to do a bolt-on to fix the problem, that's that's uh, where people are going to go. To go do a fundamental rework, mm, that's asking a lot. Yeah,
0: you're you're probably right. But I, I guess that's the that's the only. I think it it is the only opportunity. I think because it is. Change doesn't happen, in, at least in my experience. Massive change like that doesn't happen in the absence of something, you know, some kind of crisis.
1: Oh, I would agree. Uh, and it has to be a big enough crisis that it, it drives enough reaction without truly putting the company at massive peril.
0: Right. You know, if, uh, it's, an,
1: yeah. if it's an existential issue, then you may not recover to begin with, but... Right. Right. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of momentum not to change network design once it's established.
0: Yeah, and but in in this uh, I don't know, if this article or the 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 CNBC article or the uh, data breach today article, but they you know there was a mention about how a number of security companies are reporting that NotPetya spread through uh, through VPNs and nuance in, in the article about nuance they talk about how doctors are kind of stuck because they can't use the nuance medical transcription service and what do we know there there were a bunch of hospitals or not, not a bunch but there were several hospitals in the US who were infected with notpetya and so you know at, I'm not tying them together, but I'm not not tying them together.
1: So. <laughs> Way to walk that careful line of not uh,
0: I know. Not yeah. not. It's double that's negative.
1: Just, that's just that executive training you got there.
0: I, totally. <laughs> People pay real money for that.
1: But this this goes once again to showing that we're we're getting some long tails in some of these uh the worms and threats that are that are running around that we're getting some big worms back at the end of the day, and, and like we've mentioned on previous shows, people forgot about these. We didn't yeah. design for these.
0: Yeah, you know what? And 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 I I do want to go off on a little tangent for a second. This really does show, and and I guess it's it's it, it is a situation where it, worms are one of the few ways this manifests itself as a real, you know, as a real problem that we can all relate to. I think there are other problems that we may not be able to relate to, but it's the interconnectivity risk. You know what? Like, you know, if you play the, you know, the game six degrees of separation, right. You know, we're kind of getting that type of deal going between corporate networks and, you know, how, how many
1: that's called the internet.
0: Well, no, but, in, you
1: know, quote, inside the I firewall, know. right? I'm teasing. No, and, you're and right. And this, I think, is is where we really have to shift our mindset away from internal and external. Now, I'm not trying yes. to say the firewall is dead. I'm not saying that. But we have so many more perimeter connections now. I don't think we're managing the other connections well. There's too much trust being established. And that could be because it's just difficult and time-consuming and expensive to manage those other partner connections uh, the same way we manage our internet connections. Right. And, you know, business needs to get done and you get a firewall request or, you know, we need to get this this lease line up or this, you know, whatever connection over this VPN to, the, to our to our friends over at this other company. And these ports need to get through and just get it done by Tuesday. That's a tough thing to fight when you're the lone InfoSec guy going, but, um, hey, some things might happen here. (laughs) Hey, guys. Might not not be a good idea. Guys. Okay, I'll be in the corner. (laughs) Can't relate to that at all. (laughs) But... uh, we just keep seeing to me making the same mistakes over and over again. And maybe, you know, because we're focusing on the issues that for 95% of businesses, this is never a problem. So therefore, it's reinforced behavior. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but you know, when it when it is a problem, it seems like it happens in spectacular fashion. You know, Home Depot, Target, Indeed. OPM, all of these. Well, many but to be fair,
1: if it's not spectacular, it wouldn't hit the news and we wouldn't know about it. Yeah,
0: I I mean that that's a that's a fair point, but at the same time it is happening.
1: Right. Uh, it's like it's like shark attacks in Florida. Uh yeah. I, I'm not I'm just playing devil's advocate enough to say I
0: have my shark I have my shark proof rock, so I I carried <laughs> my
1: <laughs> Now, to be fair, there are a lot of people doing studies and research on this that, you know, if we were less lazy we could look this up and, and know the truth, but
0: Yeah, I got stuff to do.
1: (laughs) Running around the EU, apparently. That's
0: right. All right, and then our last story comes from, uh, let's see, the Kaspersky blog. Actually, I think it originally comes from securityweek.com, and the title on, on that report or this story is, Alarming Percentage of Employees Hide Security Incidents. This is a like I mentioned. This is a report that Kaspersky Security released. Um, Kaspersky has had its own share of drama recently, but won't talk about that right now.
1: Uh, there's a man behind me that says I'm not allowed to make any comments on that. <laughs> I see him. I think I think his main name might be Ivan. Yes.
0: Anyhow, um so Kaspersky commissioned a report to or commissioned a company to go and run a, a big survey and ask some questions about insider threat. And you know, unsurprisingly they found that um you know companies generally think of their insiders as the big you know the their biggest
1: risk. And now, now to be fair, they think of that more now that they're all out to get the company, but that they're right careless, Ca- yes. thoughtless, make mistakes, lose yeah, mis- is, between mistakes,
0: yeah. intentional, um, you know, lack of training, losing devices, right, that but sort of thing.
1: The insider, right. th- the term insider threat could mean you know rogue employee. So just
0: yeah, well, I mean, I I so so I think of insider threat as being intentional and unintentional, you know, sure. It's, uh, but, but anyway, I I will say I tried, I really tried hard to get the numbers to make sense. I like, I sat down and I looked through the numbers and, and I, damn it, they don't make sense, but (laughs) that's not, that's not the, I, you know, they, they have some pretty charts in the, in the blog post.
1: Jerry, let me ask you a question. Sure. If you were running a company to do surveys for other companies, and that company was coming to pay you money to run that survey.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. it you it would come out the way they wanted it to come out. I get it. I
1: just I just I know that this may sound like crazy talk. Like, <laughs> like I'm calling the earth flat. I know. I, I understand this is a radical proposition that I'm putting out there. Yeah. But, I, you know, personally, I think the best surveys is when people run around the floor of, you know, like, Gartner Conference and ask random people things. I think those surveys,
0: well, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: that's totally
0: scientific. Just like Twitter polls. Absolutely 100% and, scientific.
1: And anything Pokemon puts out. oh. oh.
0: Oh oh oh. Oh, I mean Ponovan, sorry. Oh oh that. oh oh dear. That was bad. Hmm. We'll that was strike bad. that. We'll just Yeah, edit yeah, that we'll just now. we'll delete that. Anyway, um it, so uh, again, the numbers don't make a, a a ton of sense because they they point out that, you know, the the survey results are you know kind of indicate the, 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 that the people surveyed believe that employees are the biggest risk and and then they talk about how the data supports it but you know then they put out some charts that don't really support it. So anyway, that's not the thing that I that I got away f- I took away from this article. What I took away from this was that people some number of people are not are hiding incidents and more importantly, IT people believe that employees are not reporting incidents. Uh,
1: that matches up with my anecdotal evidence and my experience, absolutely. Um,
0: and and so there were you know two points. One is I I I I do think it happens, but I, I one of the things I struggle, especially after reading this what the, the, this report was. Do we really th- and, do these people really have an expectation that the people really understood that there was an incident, and and then they chose not to report it, or are they just completely ignorant that they did something dumb, and you know, and so so that that's kind of point number one, but I think the you know the the bigger issue is that yes, we can all agree that people are definitely not reporting incidents when. Um, you know, when they become aware of it consistently. And, and a lot of that has to do with kind of the the structural and philosophical responses that many companies have to incidents. And they have a couple of anecdotes, which honestly seemed a little contrived, but, you know, whatever. They, one of the anecdotes was, you know, an employee um, was really frustrated with her, with her work computer, and so she convinced the company to let her use her personal computer but you know she had admin rights on the personal on her personal computer and so because she had had admin rights her computer ended up getting um, you know ransomware and she rather than reporting it to the IT department she uh, paid the ransomware paid the ransom which was three hundred dollars got her files back but she didn't know that her computer was still infected with the ransomware and so she took her computer back to work and plugged it into the network and then subsequently all of the file shares that she was connected to got locked up too and now the entire company was uh held for ransom not just her her laptop so again you know seemed a little contrived but that is not an unbelievable story um i don't you know seems a little odd but you know if something like that happened i i do know that it is a pretty common um even in the it space it is a pretty commonly held thing that if you run antivirus and clean off the malware like it's just you know you're good to go
1: well i think there's a lot of psychological aspects to this sort of story and i do think that this is again a very likely outcome I think there's a couple things. I think there is there is a lack of in-depth knowledge with the average employee because they're not IT security professionals. They their their skill set is in other areas that they bring to the company, and we can't expect everybody in an organization to be an IT security professional. They've got other stuff to do. I, I do think there's a there's this concept of I'm going to get punished. I'm going to be get in trouble. Uh, if I can avoid that, I will. You know, we don't really foster a negative, no negative consequence environment around this, especially when we start talking about all the regulations uh, around DLP and, and, and uh, data classification and and consequences if you misuse that. There's a lot of gray area here that I think could really scare employees that they don't necessarily want to come forward because it could be very negative on them. And that's something we should probably think about with our policies and processes and, and whatnot. And I think the, the, the third aspect of this is a lot of employees, I think, have the mindset that at the end of the day, security is not their problem. That's the security department's problem. That's the IT department's problem. They got other things to do. Why are they doing security's job? No,
0: that last part is absolutely a big problem. The other thing that, that concerns me is, I had mentioned a lot of the these new data privacy regulations you know there's the the new gdpr which is has some really hefty fines and there's the the new york dfs apparently the colorado is implementing something similar to new york's and they all have 72 hour you know 72 hour requirements to notify which i find just well amazing. i mean amazing it it is amazing, and I I agree with that. But that's you know that's a it, that's a discussion <laughs> it, it, for beers. It right? is what it is, right? It is what it is. But here's the here's the challenge. Now, if you have an employee who is aware that something happened, you know, one of the most egregious, as far as I understand at least, one of the most egregious things that you're going to get dinged for by the data protection authorities is if you are aware there was an incident and you don't report it. And now you have a, you know, what what we're basically saying here is that we recognize that we have employees occasionally making mistakes that will likely result in some circumstances, a, a data breach, and now the company they work for has an obligation to report that to the you know the the data protection authority and they are an employee of the company and so i i'm not a lawyer i don't know what kind of you know where they the company comes out on that but it doesn't sound good to me hmm. So i i think the point I, is i think this is a I, I think getting better at this is going to become much more important
1: well, agreed completely. And and I think that we still haven't figured out the level of stick and carrot around these sorts of incidents. But I think we need to. The employee is now the target. You know, it used to be that the perimeter was the target. That's long gone. That's the past. But I think a lot of our regulations, a lot of our process, a lot of our best practices are built around the perimeter still being the target. Until we shift to to realize that we're in a psychological war with the bad guys, we're not going to have the right processes around getting our employees to you know you could you get these flippant comments like you know your employees are your first line of defense and the employees are your best ids but if they're afraid to talk to the security department because of myriad of reasons they're 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 going to get their machine taken away they're not going to be able to be productive and then their boss is going to be mad at them or they're going to you know be made fun of or ridiculed or they think they did something wrong or even worse they're going to get you know written up or potentially fired i don't think they're going to Willfully come forward in most cases.
0: Uh, I, absolutely. The other thing that troubled me about this report, and I just remembered it, so I'm going to go back to it. it you know, they 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 talk about um, different kinds of things that employees do that will cause a breach, and you know, they they talk about falling for fishes. And the thing that concerns me is we still are viewing that as a failure of the employee and it may be in certain circumstances that is the it that is appropriate but man i have you know (laughs) i I don't i think that's quickly becoming out outmoded thinking and also contributing to the problem
1: I completely agree contributing to the problem. completely agree that it's the wrong mode of thinking. But most of the technical people I talk to have this arrogance around this. That, you know, oh, dumb user clicked on a link. I don't know. Because that's their damn job. Right. And I think that the bad guys are going to continue to find reasons for users to click on links. This is the problem. This is, again, a psychological battle. And like you said, it's their damn job. You know, I, I'm currently in the in the rounds of, of, of helping the interview for a position. And I'm just thinking about all these resumes that are getting attached to our system in PDF format and Word format. And I have to open them and look at them. I'm like, going, God, look. <laughs> I, I have to open
0: roulette. them. <laughs> <Right>. Russian roulette. Russian <laughs>
1: roulette. And it, I keep coming back to – I think if we're – I just sat through mandatory training recently on – you know, fishing, and it was so outdated. It was like, oh, there might be look for spelling errors. I'm like, that's just not the case anymore. Um, but I the bet, bad guys are But, but smart. they
0: got a good price on the training, so right.
1: well, that was yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the point is, and we've said this over and over. Yes, you can train your folks. Yes, you can do awareness training and, and simulations and that helps but at the end of the day if you're not backing that up with some sort of technology control or assuming that somebody someday is going to click you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt because it's going to happen
0: right absolutely
1: so anyway, anyway i don't know it's it's a tough one and i, I really don't th- you know i i wonder if in some cases companies are somewhat in denial about this issue because then then they would have to deal with it if they weren't, you know, so flippant about blaming the user. Right.
0: That's a good point. And that now you got to do something, right? If you can't blame the employee, it's your problem. Right.
1: Which somewhat speaks back to the fact that employees don't want to report security incidents. Right. Yeah. So, it's it's a tough one. It's a it's a tough situation, uh, and I think we we do the best we can. But it goes back to the old phrase of trust but verify. Try, try to train them, try to, but you probably still need your own instrumentation and and, and metrics and reporting mechanisms to identify when when something's going sideways.
0: Yep. Yep, so so that was the show. That was our, our, this is our first intercontinental recording. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, uh, you know, I think it went okay. Yeah. Only eight llamas were harmed in the making of this this episode.
0: <laughs> it's, you know, sacrifice is needed sometimes. Anyhow, um, thank you all. I, uh, I I hope to be back uh, on a normal schedule. I should be back in the U.S. next week. So, we'll, if if it works out and I'm not too jet lagged, then then we'll uh, probably do it again next week. And uh, you know, I I do want to. Just give another shout-out to our Patreon donors. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. You guys are awesome. And Thank uh,
0: you. a reminder to uh, check out the website, www.defensivesecurity.org, to get the links of the stories we talked about tonight and all of our back episodes. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at DefensiveSec. You can follow Mr. Kallett on Twitter, at LERG. That's L-E-R-G. And me on Twitter, at MaliciousLink. And with that, we will talk again real soon.
1: Have a great week, everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.